Back to Basics 2.0 Laser Safety by Aaron Kyle Laser use in surgery dates to the early 1960s, and technological advancements in the design and precision of lasers have made them an indispensable tool in the OR and other procedure areas. Lasers are valuable tools when the laser beam reaches the designated target. However, potential beam contact with an unintended target can increase the risk for adverse events involving patients and personnel. The hazards associated with laser use are both beam-related, for example, unintentional direct contact of the beam with tissue, and non-beam-related, for example, damaged electrical cords, airborne contaminants and plume, fire. In addition, the type of laser, the procedure, and the involved body area can influence the risk for hazard-related adverse events during clinical situations. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, provides performance standards for all laser products. The standards include details on the following. 1. Laser product classification. 2. Accessible emission limits and tests. 3. Performance requirements. For example, protective housing, safety interlocks, remote interlock connectors, key controls, laser radiation emission indicators. 4. Labeling requirements with safety information for each laser class. And 5. User information requirements. The AORN Guideline for Laser Safety provides recommendations for hazard mitigation and aligns with the FDA performance standards. This article discusses laser safety principles, key components of a laser safety program focusing on hazard mitigation, and tips for investigating laser-related adverse events and near misses. Perioperative nurses and leaders should review the laser safety guideline for detailed information that may affect their practice. Practice Point Laser Safety Principles The Laser Institute of America provides two definitions of the word laser. 1. A. Quote, device that produces an intense, coherent directional beam of light by stimulating electronic or molecular transitions to lower energy levels. End quote. And 2. Quote, an acronym for. Quote, Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. End quote. Lasers produce energy in the form of electromagnetic radiation with the characteristics of waves and discrete energy particles, that is, photons. The waves may be continuous or pulsed, and the laser light depends on the laser medium, for example, carbon dioxide, CO2, ND YAG, argon, diode, Die. The amount of accessible laser radiation determines a laser's classification. The classifications range from class 1, that is, incapable of producing damaging radiation, to class 4, that is, produces radiation that can damage eyes and skin and cause fires, may produce a plume containing airborne contaminants. In perioperative areas, laser systems include the laser device, a delivery apparatus that directs the laser output, a power supply with calibration and control functions, mechanical housing, optical components, and the laser medium. In general, surgical lasers are classified 
as Class 3R, Class 3B, or Class 4. Because Class 3R and 3B lasers present a lower risk for injury than Class 4 lasers, they do not normally present a fire hazard or risk for skin injury. However, they pose a risk for eye injury if the beam enters the eye directly or via specular, that is, mirror-like, reflection. Normal laser operation in perioperative areas involves a nominal hazard zone, NHZ. That is, the area around the laser where the maximum permissible exposure to the direct, reflected, or scattered radiation is exceeded. Precautions to mitigate laser-related hazards in the NHZ include the following. 1. Placing warning signs that are specific to the laser being used at all OR entrances. 2. Closing doors and covering windows in the NHZ. 3. Putting the laser in standby mode, turning off the laser, or using beam shutters or caps when the laser is not in use. 4. Removing and securing the laser key when the laser is not in use. 5. Restricting access to the laser security code or keys. 6. Performing calibration or beam alignment testing before each procedure, according to the laser manufacturer's instructions for use. And 7. Limiting OR traffic to personnel trained in laser safety during procedures involving lasers. Fire prevention precautions before and during laser procedures include 1. Instructing patients to avoid use of flammable personal care items before surgery. 2. Having the type of fire extinguisher that is specific to the laser readily available. 3. Using water-soluble lubricants. 4. Stopping or decreasing oxygen delivery during laser procedures involving the head and neck. 5. Protecting tissue adjacent to the surgical site with moist towels or sponges. And 6. Maintaining a basin of saline or water on the sterile field or near the laser operator, if no scrub person is present. Before perineal procedures, a scrubbed team member should cover the anus or pack the rectum with a wet radiopaque sponge. Additional procedure-specific interventions include using laser-retardant endotracheal tubes during airway procedures requiring a laser, securing laser fibers, using non-reflective instrumentation, and positioning and handling laser foot pedals carefully to avoid unplanned laser activation. Perioperative personnel must wear eye protection that is specific for the laser being used in the NHC. These may include face shields, goggles, or prescription eyewear with a reflective coating, special filtering materials, or a combination of the two. Personnel should select eye protection according to the laser manufacturer's specifications for protective eyewear and laser emission wavelength. They should inspect eyewear before each use for discoloration or compromise, for example, pitting, cracking, damaged lens coating. They also should verify that the frame is intact and functioning correctly and that the retaining straps are undamaged. Personnel should remove any damaged eyewear from use. Protective eyewear should be placed at the entrances to the ORs during laser procedures. Patients' eyes and eyelids should be protected from injury when undergoing laser procedures. 
A perioperative team member should provide patients who will be awake during the procedure with appropriate eyewear for the laser being used. Additional techniques to shield a patient's eyes include the application of 1. Laser-specific shields, wet eye pads, or opaque barrier blocks for procedures requiring general anesthesia. 2. FDA-approved metal corneoscleral eye shields for treatments on or around the eyelids. And 3. Occlusive metal protective eyewear and water-soluble eye lubricants for facial procedures. Finally, using a laser safety checklist that includes actions for hazard mitigation and performing a laser timeout before the procedure may facilitate team communication about the required safety interventions. The laser timeout can be included in the pre-procedural timeout and should include components of the laser checklist. Practice Point Laser Safety Program Leaders of healthcare facilities in which medical staff members use lasers should establish and maintain a safety program for the control of laser hazards. The laser safety program should apply to all laser equipment used in the facility. It should address required safety measures, management and reporting of complications and near misses associated with laser use, and education, training, and credentialing of personnel who work in NHCs. When developing a laser safety program, healthcare organization leaders should specify the qualifications of the laser safety officer, LSO, which may include completing formal education on laser operations and safety, for example, medical laser safety course, medical LSO course, or obtaining certification as a medical LSO. Further, the leader should appoint the LSO and define their responsibilities and authority. The facility leaders should appoint additional individuals as needed, such as a deputy LSO, a laser safety site contact, and a laser safety specialist. In some healthcare facilities, laser use may involve multiple types of equipment and surgical applications. The facility leaders should form an interdisciplinary laser safety committee comprising administrators, a biomedical engineer, medical staff members, the LSO, the laser safety specialist, and representatives from the nursing, anesthesia, quality, and medical staff education or credentialing departments. The Laser Safety Committee should establish the required safety measures and monitor compliance. When there is limited laser technology in a facility, the LSO may be able to oversee the laser safety program without a committee. The LSO and the Laser Safety Committee, if applicable, should be involved in decisions regarding the purchase and rental of laser-related technology that will be used in the facility. The LSO should have specialized knowledge and expertise in laser safety principles and know what protective equipment is needed and if it is available at the facility for use. In addition, the LSO should be able to anticipate the required hazard controls for safely integrating the laser into practice. Therefore, including the LSO in decision-making associated with the acquisition of laser equipment and supplies may facilitate smooth integration of the new technology into an existing laser program. Practice Point Learning from Laser-Related Complications, Adverse Events, and Near Misses 
the Laser Safety Program should address the investigation and management of laser-related adverse events, complications, and near-misses. Laser-related adverse events and near-misses may involve patient or personnel injuries or failure of a laser device. They also may be associated with the performance of a laser procedure without the required instruments and supplies, qualified personnel, or appropriate hazard mitigation techniques. The FDA requires the reporting of adverse events associated with the use of lasers in surgery that result in death or serious injury. Voluntary reporting of all device-related issues to the FDA may help the FDA to identify trends and alert users to safety concerns. There is no repository that displays aggregate data on laser safety concerns. However, individuals can search the U.S. FDA Manufacturer and User Facility Device Experience, MOD, database to find adverse event information associated with lasers in surgery. The MOD database classifies each laser event according to a specific product code, and there are 28 codes for, quote, surgical lasers, end quote. A search of the MOD database for reported events involving powered laser surgical instruments, that is, product code GEX, from February 1st to March 1st, 2023, produced 219 results, that is, 31 injuries, 188 malfunctions. Facility leaders can use a variety of tools, such as failure mode and effects analysis, root cause analysis, and simulation, to investigate complications and near misses. Using simulation can help teams identify practices that may result in patient injury. One published report described the reenactment of a patient care situation involving a laser that had supposedly failed causing a surgical fire and third-degree burns to the patient. During the reenactment, the surgeon attempted to reduce the chance of accidental laser activation by moving the foot pedal away from her foot. However, the reenactment showed that in the process of moving the foot pedal, the surgeon inadvertently activated the laser, which likely caused the fire and patient burn during the actual procedure. Perioperative personnel should adhere to laser safety protocols and report adverse events according to their facility's policies and procedures. They should facilitate an investigation by ceasing to use the involved device and retaining all single-use and reusable laser accessories and their packaging, if possible. In addition, personnel should participate in event investigations when requested. Conclusion Perioperative laser use requires hazard mitigation to prevent adverse events, such as fires, injuries to personnel and patients, and death. Healthcare organization leaders should establish a laser safety program with a designated LSO, and perioperative teams should adhere to required safety measures. Perioperative and organization leaders should investigate laser-related complications adverse events, and near misses to determine the root cause and report all such occurrences according to the FDA requirements for medical device reporting. This Back to Basics 2.0 article contains three knowledge checks. I will now read the first knowledge check for the practice point, Laser Safety Principles. Andy is an RN 
who routinely operates lasers at an academic medical facility in a metropolitan area. Andy and Jolene, an RN circulator, prepare for a gynecological procedure involving a Class IV laser. They complete the preparation section of a laser safety checklist and confirm that the appropriate eye protection for the laser is available in the OR for all personnel. Tyrone, the CRNA, mentions that he has protective eyewear for the patient. When Jolene suggests placing protective eyewear outside the room, Andy replies that it is not necessary because no one will be entering the OR during the procedure. He places the laser warning signs on the outside of the OR doors, while Jolene proceeds to the preoperative area to interview the patient before transporting her to the OR. The surgeon, Dr. A., arrives in the OR while Jolene is assisting Tyrone with induction. The team positions the patient before Jolene performs patient skin antisepsis. After Dr. A. performs surgical hand antisepsis and dons a sterile gown and gloves, the scrubbed team members drape the patient, and all perioperative team members perform the timeout. Before Dr. A. begins using the laser, Andy verifies that all personnel are wearing appropriate protective eyewear, and Tyrone confirms that the patient's eyes are protected. Immediately after Dr. A. initiates laser use, Dr. I., the anesthesiologist, opens the door and, before entering to provide break relief for Tyrone, asks if the laser is currently in use. Tyrone nods and motions to Dr. I. to don protective eyewear. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Andy B. Jolene C. Tyrone or D. Dr. A. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Andy did not follow the recommended practice point. I will now read the second knowledge check for the practice point, Laser Safety Program. Juan is the LSO at a 100-bed community hospital that houses one Holmium laser owned and operated by the facility. When Juan arrives at work one morning, Angelica, the RN circulator, who was on call the previous night, appears frantic. She seems relieved when she sees Juan and immediately tells him that Dr. W., a recently hired surgeon, scheduled an urgent procedure requiring a CO2 laser. Angelica says that she contacted the nursing supervisor and confirmed that Dr. W. has the necessary credentials to perform procedures with a CO2 laser. She also mentions that Francisco, a contract laser operator, arrived with a laser approximately 45 minutes ago, and the biomedical engineering technician has verified that the laser is ready for use. She says that Francisco has discussed safety concerns with her and provided the required eyewear for personnel. However, the patient eyewear is missing, so Francisco has requested iPads instead. Angelica requests Juan's assistance finding the iPads because Dr. W. is waiting impatiently in the surgeon's lounge. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Juan B. Francisco C. Angelica or D. Dr. W. I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Dr. W. did not follow the recommended practice point. 
I will now read the knowledge check for the third and final practice point, learning from laser-related complications, adverse events, and near misses. Hallie, an RN circulator, is preparing for a laser procedure in an ambulatory surgery center OR with surgical technologists Shane and Amir and Missy, a CRNA. All four team members are wearing protective eyewear. Amir is the designated laser operator for the procedure. During the setup process and laser calibration, the team members hear an audible alert indicating the laser has fired, although there is no visible confirming evidence. The team discusses how to respond to this concern. Hallie suggests immediately notifying the charge nurse that there will be a delay and contacting the LSO for additional assistance. Missy states that she does not see any evidence of an issue that would delay the procedure, so she will be in the preoperative area waiting for Hallie. Shane begins searching the room's waste containers for any wrappers that might be associated with the laser's preparation. Amir turns off the laser, moves it out of the room, and contacts the biomedical engineer to check the laser's functioning. In this scenario, who did not follow the practice point? A. Hallie B. Shane C. Missy or D. Amir I will now provide the answer. In this scenario, Missy did not follow the recommended practice point.